Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. Welcome back to the Preach Boys podcast. Today's guest is the one and only Chris Hansen. Whether you know him from his show To Catch a Predator or you've seen clips on YouTube or you've checked out his podcast, you're familiar with what an absolute legend he is. And I was so lucky that my friend Travis Chapel invited me to co-host an episode with him on the Travis Makes Friends podcast. Stay tuned. This one is a great one. And be sure to check out the Travis Makes Friends podcast to see more content from my buddy, Travis. All right, let's get into today's episode with Chris Hansen. Chris, have a seat. Thank you, Travis. You took my line. Yeah. I'll let you do it. <laughs> on purpose. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So on this episode, for those of you watching and listening, you may be familiar with my producer, Eric. I asked Eric to sit in on this episode because Eric's podcast, Preacher Boys, talks a lot about abuse within the religious subset that we both grew up in, in the independent fundamental Baptist world. And so Eric has been looking forward to this conversation as well. So let's go ahead and dive right in. I know we're limited on, on time. You got a new show coming out, lots of stuff happening. So before we jump into some backstory and context, um, let's 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 throw a quick plug in at the very beginning so people know what you got going on sure. and why we're even here at South Point to be Well, with. in Vegas here at the South Point Casino, we're doing a live interactive multimedia show on February 3rd, 4th, and 5th called you know, Predators I've Caught with Chris Hansen. So it's a tell-all taking people behind the scenes of 19 years of investigation. So people are going to see things they haven't seen before, hear things they haven't seen before, and have a chance to interact with me. And we'll have some items on set, actually, from the investigations that that people get a chance to interact with. But I'm excited about it because I think it's an extension of what we've been doing at True Blue, our new streaming network with crime reporting and continuing to do the predator investigations and to bring people inside of it. And at the end of the day... Obviously, there's entertainment value here. Mm-hmm. There's a dark, humorous level to it, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. But it all brings attention to a very important topic. And it's a crime where there is no demand reduction, right? Mm. It's not like the drug problem. So your best defense is education and awareness and how you teach kids yeah. to be safe, just like mm-hmm. you know some of the guys you profile in your, your investigations and your, your shows. 
to protect themselves. And that's really what it's about. If you can get inside the mind of a predator, understand a little bit how that works, hear the voice of a victim, you can prevent other people from becoming victims. So February 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And 5th, right here at the South Point. Here at South Point Hotel in Vegas. So I know everybody out there is always looking for an excuse to come to Vegas. So now you have one. (laughs) February 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Um, uh, well, we're going to try to come through uh, with with me and my wife, him and his wife, and everything. Oh, awesome. Support, yeah, uh, great support the whole Thank thing. you very much. Be a great time. So, rewind the clock, Chris. Sure. I want to go back in time. This, whenever I talk with anybody, and I say this a lot, so people that are listening might think this is repetitive. Whenever I talk with somebody who has turned in, who who has taken something and turned it into a, just a very eclectic and interesting career. I never seem to find that that person wrote this on like the what I want to be when I go oh, to form when you were nine. It's so not a career day thing. Or yeah. like, it wasn't a booth. Yeah. In this business, you know, if you wait till career day, it's too late, yeah. you know. But, but I, I did always want to be a television reporter okay. from okay. a very early age. We grew up in uh, suburban Detroit, a mile and a half from where Jimmy Hoffa was last seen and presumably kidnapped. I became fascinated at 15 years old used to ride my bike up to the crime scene and, and we had neighbors who were involved in the investigation. The network news guys were there, the local news mm-hmm. guys, the FBI, the police. And so I guess I got bit by the bug a little bit back then. So when I went to Michigan State at college, I just walked over from the dorm and signed up for the the campus radio news network. Okay. And suddenly one day I was a reporter. What did your parents do? My dad was in the auto industry in sales. That makes sense in Detroit. Yeah, in Detroit, like virtually everybody else in the neighborhood. And my mom was a a stay-at-home mom for many years until she decided to go show homes at a development near our neighborhood. A luxury home development was built on, when I was growing up, what was 40 acres of woods. And she turned that into being head of sales for a major luxury home builder and, okay. and had quite a successful career herself late in life. I mean, I don't nice. think she started this till 50s, till she was in her 50s. And, and it always it was a great source of pride for me to see how she was able to do this in, yeah. in professionalism uh, that she had. And, and my wife and I will be at social settings. We have an apartment in New York City and a home in Michigan still, suburban Detroit. Mm-hmm. And people will come up to us and say, your mother sold us a home, you know, 20 years That's ago. That's hilarious. And she treated us like she would treat you or your two sisters. And that was one of the secrets to her success was she cared hmm. whether you're the wealthiest person or you're kind of ham and egg in it to try and get in this living yeah, home. Right. You know, she would tell you, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. And, and she cared about every detail in those homes hmm. and was a liaison between, you know, the owner of the home building company, who was a family owned company. And the the buyer and would make sure all the finishing touches were done to their satisfaction. And, and and she was great. She made a great living. Yeah, that's fantastic. Did they? Was there any pressure or encouragement to do a certain something with your life at all, or was it just like go to school, get a good job, do what was, you want to do? It was. There was no. You know, intense pressure. Nobody went to an Ivy League school, or mm-hmm. I mean, there was an expectation of going to college in those sure. days. Uh, my mom was very uh, supportive, and you know, when my dad would be traveling for his job, she would make sure that you know I was out the door at eight o'clock to go yeah. caddy or you know work at Mr. Pacey's Bakery or whatever I was doing. So very, they very much encouraged us. Oh yeah, I mean, I worked yeah. from the age of thirteen. There you go. You know, whether yeah. it was hauling golf bags at the local country club or doing whatever I was doing. I, I always joked that I only had 
three prior jobs to being a journalist. It was caddying, Mr. Pastry's Bakery as a baker's apprentice, hauling drywall, and then journalism. That's yeah. it. That's, all well, that's the traditional path if you yeah, want to be a exactly. journalist. So if you're listening, that's yeah. the step. Well, the hauling drywall with guys from the inner city did uh, did give me a, um, a uh, great education, sure. one that you could not get just at Michigan right. State University. I mean, in, in terms of life lesson and... Um, dealing with people from all walks of life and, mm. and uh, empathy, respect, well, hard work. Yeah, you know, imagine being 17 years old, graduating from uh, Brother Rice High School, showing up to work hauling drywall, which you're not really sure what that entails, but no. you know that the company's owned by a pal of your dad's, and you're going to make 750 an hour, which in 1977 was a boatload of money and yeah. paid for a lot of tuition, and you jump in the truck with Lee Arthur Ramsey, and your job is to take one part of this two sheet mound drywall package weighing hundreds of pounds and get it to the next direction without breaking your partner's back. Who's an adult yeah. who's supporting his family by doing this, mm-hmm. not just doing it for the summer. Mm. Jump in the truck, it's <clears throat> a pack of cigarettes on the, on the dashboard. And he looks at me and says, you smoke, you want a cigarette? I go, no, I don't smoke. He goes, good. You're going to need all the breath you got. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, he was my partner for the next three years. That's fantastic. He's a great guy. Great lessons. I mean, journalism is broad. There's a lot of different sure. stories oh, you yeah. can cover. Like, what made you push in the direction of Predators? I know it was supposed to be originally a one-off story. Right. Originally, exactly. and then it took off. Like, what drove you to the story initially? Well, I was always interested in investigative crime-type stories, um, enterprise stories, uh, things where we employed hidden cameras. And so when I learned about this online watchdog group, Perverted Justice, um, I started to think if we could use their ability to be decoys, online and our ability at the network to wire a house with hidden cameras and microphones, it could be pretty compelling. So at the time, perverted justice would put decoys in the chat rooms. And if an adult approached one of the decoys posing as a 12, 13, 14, 15 year old kid, obvious profile, and there was a sexual liaison plan, they would post this person's picture and identity on the website. Mm. Well, we took it a step further. We created a scenario where we would come face to face with this potential child predator and confront them. So we did so in Bethpage, Long Island. And I was driving out there and I wondered, you know, did we just blow tens of thousands of dollars of the network's money and nobody was going to show up, Mm. which is always, you know, if it was easy, everybody could do it, you know? Mm. So we didn't partner or collaborate with law enforcement for that or the second investigation in you know, I'm driving out there and my producer calls and says, where the hell are you? We've got two guys scheduled in 45 minutes. And, you know, two and a half days later, 17 guys had surfaced in that investigation, oh including goodness. a New York City firefighter. So the story, Oof. the show kind of sat at the network for a minute. Yeah. And people were in the executive ranks trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? How do we do it? You know, this is obviously phenomenally compelling material. I mean, stuff that has never been seen on television before. How do we do it? And I remember being in a meeting, and we shot this in February 2004. Now we're in late summer, early fall. And I'm sort of pushing to get this on TV. Yeah. And an executive looks at me and says, I just don't know how to promote it. And I, much the shock of everybody in the room, I said, you know how to promote this? Here's how you promote it. There's a man on your back porch with his penis in his hand and he wants to stick it in your daughter tonight we're going to tell you how to prevent that from happening i don't remember that tv spot no it wasn't it wasn't a spot but i was so frustrated at not getting it on the air yeah that that's right. 
basically it's like let me be as blunt as let possible. Me, yeah, and like, I did it. This I, did it I did it for yeah. shock value, marketing piece. Yeah, <laughs> and so you know, everybody's looking at me like Hanson's finally lost his mind. <laughs> and, 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 and there was a did collective. Yeah. yeah, there was a collective. I mean, everybody was on. I'm, I'm being, you know, sarcastic here, facetious yeah. for, to make a point, but. Everybody sort of understood. Okay, let, it's time. Sure, yeah. we're, we're going to do the best we can with this material. It's, you know, pushes the boundaries of yeah. what you can put on primetime television. It's a proceed with caution. And so there, there, video, and there yeah. was a real, there was a legitimate concern. I, people weren't trying to hush it up or cover it up or anything. I don't yeah. didn't mean to insinuate that. Everybody wanted this to go on TV, and so we did it, and it had quite a quite a response. And so we did it again, and. The third time we collaborated with law enforcement and, you know, some of the cases were prosecuted in the first two investigations. But at the end of the day, these guys would walk out the door. And so it wasn't really the most socially responsible way to proceed. Mm -hmm. And from a television production standpoint, it was rather unfulfilling to see these guys walk away, mm -hmm. even though in some of the cases they were later prosecuted. So we did from then on. And up until, you know, including the new investigations we're doing now as we speak, mm -hmm. we collaborate with law enforcement. Mm. And it's the only responsible way to do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're taking a big responsibility on your shoulders. Well, right. And, you know, when we used perverted justice decoys, you know, that was, I think, sound, um, a sound way to proceed. They're no longer in existence. It is also a cleaner prosecution to employ the law enforcement decoys. So yeah. in most cases, that's what we do. We rely on law enforcement for that. And just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, just a better way to operate. When you're walking through some of these doors and facing these people that you've been tracking and you know that they're there for these insidious reasons, are, are you nervous? Like, are you heart pumping? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, did I, that go away or subside with time? It, it, you manage it, you know, but I've learned. You know, from, from sources in law enforcement and, and people who do things like I do, the day you get lazy and think that, or not lazy, mm -hmm. but, you know, lax about mm -hmm. procedure and, and you're not completely focused, that's when stuff happens that you mm -hmm. don't want to happen. So I'm always aware Vigilant. of the situation, but it happens quickly. And you're looking at the man's hands. You're looking at the body language. And again, law enforcement's very close by. Yeah, We have this set up to be absolutely as safe as it can possibly be. But there's no doubt that the inherent risk is part of what draws people to watch it. Sure. And we are covering the commission of a felony. So, you know, there's, there's inherent risk here. But I think for what it is... We make it absolutely as safe as possible. And I've, you know, the times I've almost got my ass kicked, we're not doing predator stories or going over to Cambodia to expose child sex trafficking or going to Africa to expose, you know, Al Qaeda dealing in blood time. Is the most uh, danger I've ever been is, you know, exposing a bike thief in, in uh, Greenwich Village and, you know, going after a counterfeit phone part salesman in a mall in Connecticut. Those are the last <laughs> two times that I almost got, you know, into a fight. So, go figure. You know. <laughs> I just always find that ironic. Yeah. Yeah. The seemingly least dangerous <laughs> ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're in Connecticut, all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you started realizing that the show was going to have some success, that, yeah. that things were moving in the right direction, um, was there any sort of questions that you were having for yourself at that point in terms of like, is this something like you, cause you're talking about the responsibility. Is this something that we should keep doing? How, how do we go about doing this the right well, way? Well, I think it raised a lot of questions about that. And I think there were those in traditional journalism who turned their nose up at it a little bit. Yeah. Um, is it shaming people? Is it, is it, you know, what's the purpose of it? And I maintain that because it is a crime where demand reduction doesn't work. It's not mm -hmm. like the drug problem. Um, that the best way to approach it, to combat it, is through education and awareness and to have a dialogue with your children mm -hmm. that prevents them from becoming targets. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a tall order. It's a big ask. But I think our stories continue that dialogue. And again, you know, people don't always watch them for that reason. Yeah. There are darkly humorous moments, as we mentioned. But, you know, I don't mind that because it continues to, to, to create awareness. We're doing a big... Big story for True Blue on sextortion and these kids who are targeted online and scammers pretend to be girls yeah. and they send a sexually explicit photo to a young man and they get him to send a sexually explicit photo back and then they blackmail him and sometimes these scam artists are half a world away in Africa or wherever and these kids get so shocked and they're 16, 17 years old, their brains aren't formed all the way, they, they're straight A students, oh my God, what's gonna happen if they send this picture to grandma? And they commit suicide. There have been at least a dozen suicides that we know of in our investigation in these sextortion cases. Wow. I was at the San Jose Police Department last week, they had four sextortion reports in one day, the day before I was doing the interviews, and I sat there with grieving parents who 
tell me what a wonderful boy their son was mm-hmm. and are still coming to grips with the fact that he didn't come forward and say, I effed up. Yeah. Let's get through it. And the parents like, you know, there's no risk here to you. We right. would have got through this. We would have scrubbed the internet. Who's going to see it anyway? But in their mind, in that snapshot of time, they were so shocked and embarrassed that they took their own lives. Wow. Yeah. And to me, you know, that's the kind of story that you have to really get out there. Mm-hmm. And on many levels, and that, that's what True Blue allows us to do, is to turn these things around. You know, I've been in this business 40 years, so I have access. I have a brand. And we use it for these types of things that will not only reach people on our streaming platform, but also we can then produce a version that we can give to schools across the country and police departments around the country. And fine, take it. Yeah, you know, we've right. already had our commercial bite at it sure, sure. on our own streaming network. Yeah. So share it. Give it away. Let people watch it and use that brand in whatever school cafeteria or, or gymnasium around the country that might help somebody from not doing that. It's a waste of a life. And it just, okay. it, you know, I approach this stuff as a parent. Right. Yeah. right? Well, that's and what I, I wanted to ask. Because like, you were a parent doing To Catch a Predator. Yeah. So like, I know for me doing my show for the last three years, like, it's hard not to be paranoid yeah. because it is the least suspecting people. It's yeah. like you said, there's a NY, you know, New York yeah. firefighter, there's You're police the officers. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah we clergy, found, we've yeah. had clergy come into our sting operations. Yeah. Does that, how did you navigate that as a parent where you're like, you want to let your kids still have a normal childhood, but also you've seen, I mean, you've seen what's on air, but you've also seen in the investigations. Well, we watched it together, you yeah. know, and, and to me, Part of parenting is tricking your kid into doing what you want them to do without them and let them think it's their idea. You know? <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I wish I had thought it up myself, but I borrowed it from a, a, a parent, my parents' age. Um, but I don't remember being overly paranoid about it. I mean, I, I, there were boys doing boys stuff, and and you know, I always tried to lead by example as best as I could, and and have them a part of the process. I mean, they're in the business now. One's behind the camera, one's in front of the camera. So oh, really? they're doing okay. their own thing now. They're 31 and 28. And um, they, they, I mean, I, there's one funny story that, you know, one of my son at the you know early stages of, of Facebook, they created a fan page for a teacher and they had a, it was a Catholic school and they had a, a statue of Christ in there and they made some fun of the teacher and, they uh, got in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. And so I get a call from the headmistress of the school. And and, uh, and I'm panicky because I'm in a car ahead of the airport. And, it's, you know, why is the head of the school calling? And right. she says, there's something about your son. And I said, what happened? He goes, I said, is everybody okay? Yeah, it's okay. But they created a face. I go, oh, no, what did they do? And so they, they, you know, Mr. So-and-so was great. And it should have been a situation where Mr. So-and-so made him run five laps on the football field. Yeah. and had done with it, but instead it elevated into this big thing. And and he learned his lesson, but you know, that, in terms of online stuff, we were very fortunate that that's about as serious as it that's does. That's, that's, that's but, very devious. Yeah. yeah. But again, sinister we were in the, we were, yeah, sinister as it was, but we were on the early stages of this. Now, it was stuff was going on, yeah. right? And I'm sure there's stuff that happened that I don't know about as a parent that yeah, yeah, you know, sure. even being an investigative reporter that was kept, you know, swept under the rug for me at the time, but yeah. as, so, as so many times happens. But I think, you know, it got more difficult to navigate mm-hmm. right after those years because when we were doing Predator, um, you know, they were young, but Sorry. you know, they had enough of a uh, kind of a watchdog over them between parents mm-hmm. that 
you know, I don't, I don't think anything serious happened. How's it changed all the investigations and things with how much? Because like it's chat rooms right. on AOL versus now there's Facebook and Well, it's so Snapchat. It's so <laughs> diffuse now. You know, yeah. I mean, when we started this, we merely had decoys on AOL and Yahoo. And mm-hmm. that's where all the activity was. Maybe, Yahoo. Maybe MySpace, <laughs> you know, remember yeah. that. And now there are countless I mean, unlimited, social really. media platforms. Yeah. And so there's more activity, more nefarious activity than ever before, but it's so diffuse that it's hard to catch these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got online gaming, you've got all the platforms that you guys are aware of, that I'm aware of, and stuff that we don't even know about yet. Right. And mm-hmm. then it all switches over to um, you know, one-on-one DMing or, or uh, you know, texting. But it happens even in the most innocent of platforms, or what we think they are. We have a case right now, we're doing a whole hour special for True Blue on a 12-year-old girl who was approached by a guy in Florida, girl was in Michigan, approached, groomed, set up a meeting, he flies up from Florida, has the 12-year-old girl sneak out of her bedroom window, meet him in a church parking lot, he takes her to a hotel, sexually assaults her, she uh, goes to the emergency room, predictable injuries, they report it, they find, they go back through the chats, they find the surveillance video at the hotel, they find the rental car receipt, they trace them all the way back to Florida, the Genesee County Sheriff's Department in Michigan goes back down there, finds him, braces him, he gives him a statement, turns out that he had been stalking the family. We find out just the other night, we find out, got his text, that he's in a Walmart where the girl and her parents are telling her to go into a family restroom so they can initiate, start this relationship. Oh and, you know, and imagine how chilling that is. And then he gets her to sneak out the, the window of her home and assault her. And um, they bring him up and he cops out. He admits to two other sexual assaults that went down the same way in other states. Wow. So here's a guy, Peter Pejic is his name, and, and so he's going to be the you know target of one of our big investigations probably in the next week or two on True Blue. Well, that's the scary thing is never won, you know? No, it's, and it's, it's and all these guys over and over again, this is my first time, I'll never do it again. You know, or I wasn't going to. Yeah, I wasn't. I just, we had a guy, Yeah, we just put up uh, on True Blue the, the, the most recent one. He shows up at a house. He's got a jar of weed as big as your, your water uh, cup there condoms, money, all kinds of stuff. And I was just here to, you know, help her out, to keep, get her out of this, this bad trash. Well, that's, that's my favorite. Is but the, the, I was concerned for her. So yeah, I, came to I was her. And the kicker to that is, it gets to the point where I say, well, there's something you need to know. And um, I'm Chris Hansen. He said, I knew that. I said, well, how did you know? He goes, I'm 49 years old. I watch TV. Everybody knows that. So well, what are you doing here? We're getting now, I mean. Yeah. Like generational like no, it's generational. Yeah. We have generational yeah. followers. Yeah. We're the third generation of followers now because you know kids pick this up on on social media and YouTube right. and these all these other platforms, yeah. as well as the original ones. But these guys, more often than not, will say in the chat logs, "Hey, you know, this isn't a Chris Hansen thing, is it? Or this isn't a sheriff so and so thing? No, and they come, yeah. Yeah. it is not. No, yeah, I well, promise. Who, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> who, who's that? You know? And they show up anyway. We get fanboys now. I mean, it's shocking yeah, to me. It's crazy. Yeah. We'll probably have whole trainings on how to spot a Chris Hansen yeah. text. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, I, I mean, obviously, I watched the show, and I was thinking back. I was talking to my wife about it. I was like, 
thinking about when I started watching it. Because I remember watching it with my dad, like, young. Yeah. And having conversations about, like, how dumb these guys are and all this kind of stuff. But obviously, like, now through the podcast, through the show, through the streaming service, you've kept, you know, sharing the message in different ways. So the show you're doing in Vegas, like, what is that approach? And how do you, when you hear live show, to get yeah. the credit, like, is there a plant in the audience? <laughs> yeah. Like, how are we? <laughs> it's a very elaborate setup. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's a very unique franchise. You know, yeah, it's not like one of those, you know, when the state police has the TV giveaway for all the yeah. people who are behind on their Check, check the chair next yeah. to you. you know, <laughs> look at your chairs. Yeah, oh, oh you, you owe some money to the state. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, no sting that we're aware of there. No, but I, I think it's an opportunity to, to, you know, satisfy people's curiosity, yeah. this intent, uh, this intense um, interest in what we do and how we do it. Yeah. You know, and it's a very... I, I don't know if intimate is the right word, but it is. It's interactive, maybe is the better word. To yeah. have people in a room that's not too big uh, and to, to talk about this and to show some things they haven't seen before and to get behind the scenes in essentially a tell-all. Mm-hmm. And a tell-all in a good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and because there's, people always ask, you know, is there anything you haven't shown? Is there everything we don't know? And, and, and for the most part, we have everything out there in the shows. We don't hold anything back. But there are there's context to it that I can give in a show like this mm-hmm. um, yeah. here at the South Point in February that you can't you can't give in a in a five, ten, twelve minute piece. Sure. And that's what this is about. And I've had, you know, I've given a lot of speeches and talks to different groups over the years in different places and, and you know now that COVID has pretty much opened up again so we can do this, it was a great opportunity to to start here. And it's a template that we can use at college campuses across the country mm-hmm. and for Groups who you know seek to educate people on this very topic. Yeah. What is um, <clears throat> so you have now your own streaming platform mm-hmm. called True Blue, which you just launched very recently. The whole idea behind it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is basically a platform dedicated to essentially true crime, these types exactly. of sting operations. What besides you're you, you're doing a show there? What are some of the other types of shows that people can expect to watch? Well, for instance, we have a, a one coming out called The Facebook Fiend, where a number of young women had been victimized by a guy who posed this new agey, you know, uh, musician. And he would set up meetings. He would sexually assault them, physically assault them, take money from them. And these, these, these this grooming would take place over a period of weeks. And these women were so upset that they couldn't get their story told and they weren't getting, you know, interest that they thought they should get from law enforcement. And it was all around mm-hmm. the country. I mean, it was Arizona and Washington State mm-hmm. and Maryland. And this guy was very prolific and he's a total sociopath. And so they came to me mm-hmm. and we started putting it together. And this is why True Blue is so great because we can respond to these things right now. Yeah. Within weeks of them coming to me, we're doing interviews. Because your mission isn't like, we need views on a network. Your mission is, we need to get as many of these stories out as we can. Well, exactly. I mean, look, we need views. Sure. Right. We're not doing this for free. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we need to cover the, you know what we do here. So so there's a, obviously a commercial aspect to it. But also, we cut through all the bureaucracy of, of, of being there. Yeah. Right. We don't have 12 months of a meetings and B meetings and green light meetings and the agent pairs you up with a production company and they go pitch it and they don't they may give you seed money for the sizzle but then they don't want the sizzle because the budget's messed up for that year and could we do it next year and now we go to a different network it, it's mind numbing now I call Sean Rack who's my partner at True Blue and say I need a crew on Thursday 
Conrad shows up with his gear and crew on Thursday yeah. and we shoot the story. That sounds much better. Now, because it is much better. <laughs> and, and look, I'm in a stage of my career where I can do this. Yeah. Right. But because of the investigation, partly because of our investigation into the Facebook fiend, charges were filed in Washington State. And because of our investigation, they were able to determine that he was in New York. Mm. And they were able to get a warrant, mm. and they were able to get the marshals to grab him. Awesome. And they went on and got him and bring him back to Washington to face criminal charges. Now, I've watched a lot of these cases, and a lot of these predators, all kinds of predators, know how to target vulnerable mm -hmm. people. Not stupid people. Yeah. Not desperate people. Vulnerable people. And they know right who to look for. Mm. Single mom, not much of a social life. Yeah. What a nice guy. Yeah, sure. Let's continue this conversation. Maybe we can get together. You know, my son is with his grandpa this weekend. Let's get together. Yeah. And that's how it starts. And they know this. What, what, what's your advice to somebody? Mm -hmm. that, like, there's so much good things that come from, oh, absolutely. from DMing people on yeah. social media or from... We get stories from, all the time. Yeah, a lot of great a lot of great couples have come I out have, of it. I have friends who met and married because of their sure. relationship on, yeah. on social media. Sure. Sites. So so what do you do? Like, hey, if, if this person invites you to their hotel room, probably not a good fit, no. but like go to a busy area, meet first time it's at gotta a be in busy public. restaurant you know, somewhere in, 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 or whatever. Look, we're doing another story on, you know, dating sites. Mm. You know, we have a whole franchise that we're developing on, you know, to catch a serial bad guy dater. You yeah. know? And and it, there's a lot of common sense that has to go into it. And what I preach to kid parents and to kids, if you don't know somebody in real life, you don't know them online. Mm -hmm. And the guy who sends a picture of a you know good-looking surfer dude from San Diego could be a fat 68-year-old, mm. you know, in his mother's basement uh, in his underwear, surrounded by pizza boxes. Right. You know, so you don't know what you have, and so you need to do your due diligence. And it's sad that you know if you're a single guy or gal looking to to you know create a relationship of some sort that you have to be a private detective. You yeah. know, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, it's sad that you have to do that. I mean, you know, in the old days, you went to the the restaurant or the bar or you met people at work or, you know, but the pandemic largely changed all that. I mean, there are people whose only relationships for yeah. a period of even coworkers. You know, yeah. I mean, totally. it's, it's, we're isolated. And when it comes to inappropriate contact between adults and children, it soared during the pandemic. Mm. The national center for missing and exploited children will tell you, and there's mandatory reporting that goes to that organization that those approaches went up 900% at the peak of the pandemic. Oh my so what does that tell you? And so it's across the board. It's not just adults trying to do horrible things to children. It's adults on adults. It's you know any yeah. kind of scam that you can possibly imagine. I, I think you highlighted something. Because I, I know naysayers of you, and I see naysayers of what I do, sure. that go into, this is law enforcement. Let them cover it. Right. Why are you talking about it? Why are you sharing it? And I think from what you just said, like one, there's too much for law enforcement to even possibly handle right. all of it. But on the other side, like, where do you see that responsibility kind of end with you exposing versus let's step away from this and just wait for law enforcement to handle this? Well, that's a very good question. And I'm not, I, th I think I found the balance uh, with the kind of proactive enterprise journalism that, mm -hmm. that I practice. Um, it is not vigilante. Right. I mean, you see some of these people on You're not YouTube. turning the camera off when they no, get in the room? Yeah. No. I it's mean, not dogged about no, it. Yeah, we burst in the door. Yeah, we, we, you know, we are covering the commission of a felony, and we hold people accountable. And because of my years doing it, law enforcement, 
across the board will collaborate mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, obviously, look, there are big agencies that have bureaucracies that don't make it easy to do this, but right. we know which agencies uh, to work with. Uh, it's not the vigilante thing where the guy does research, you know, finds a guy who's doing this and just jumps out of the bushes and makes 10 seconds of dramatic video. Yeah. There's a in, lot of those case, guys. There are a lot of those guys. And, and, and those cases are very difficult to prosecute. Mm-hmm. And so you get a guy who's mm-hmm. done something bad who walks. Now, I'm not, you know, criticizing all of them. Some of them have done work that's led to prosecutions. Some are well-meaning. But more often than not, these vigilante groups are problematic for a lot of different reasons, including the fact that they're just out to get clicks and attention and, right. and, sure. and gain money. Now, I like clicks and attention, yep. and I like to have a commercial enterprise. I get it. But the way we do it is much different than the way some of these other guys do it. Yeah. There is plenty of room in society for citizen journalists yeah. and people who have podcasts and people who help solve crimes and create discussion and awareness. There's a whole industry onto itself of that. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Citizen journalists should have a voice. But it can go downhill quickly. Yeah. Sure. If done irresponsibly. Yeah. And not ethically. Yeah. 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 I I wish we had I wish we had a lot more time. There there's a lot more things that we can dive well, into. Well, I, I promise I'll come back. I, I yeah, enjoyed this very much. We'll do a we'll do a part two. We'll do yeah. a part two um uh maybe head over to our studio <clears throat> sure. once finished up to a part two to this. But um, I just before we take off, want to re-highlight February third, fourth, and fifth right here here at South Point in Vegas. Um, anybody that comes, let me know if you're coming into town. Love to meet up um, and say what's up to you because I'll I'll be in and around uh, that time period as well. And then True Blue, if you're watching, listening, any of these stories piqued interest. That's kind of where I want to wrap up. Is can you tell us something that's on True Blue that people will need to go check out? That was one of the crazier stories that you guys are covering currently. Well, I mean, one of the upcoming documentaries is about a con woman named Tracy Hutsana, who spent some time here in Las Vegas, who now owns a couple of restaurants with her husband. This woman has been involved in the con game Mm -hmm. since she was like 15 Mm -hmm. years old, according to her own family. She was hired by a woman named Jumana Kidd, was a television personality, the former wife of uh, Jason Kidd, the basketball star and okay. Dallas Mavericks coach. In the course of a, a few months, Tracy Hutsano was able to scam, steal, and divert upwards of $3 million from Jumana Kidd and her children. Oh my gosh. And this might have gone unprosecuted and, and unknown to many people, but for Jumana becoming a detective on her own, mm and really bringing a great case to NYPD because the accounts, even though she lives in LA, the accounts were still in the New York area Mm -hmm. and the FBI, which investigated. And we got in very early on this case and have chased, you know, Tracy Hutsana around to hold accountable. And it's a, it's an amazing yarn. Wow. Uh, So that's at the final stages of production. Now, obviously we've got all the new predator cases. We've got the sextortion special coming out. We've got um, the uh, Facebook fiend that's about to come out. And many, many others. And then we have some <clears throat> some lighter fare. Um, we have a, a whole series on, on firehouses around the country and, and the food they serve and the different recipes. It's just, mm. just really fun. And then we have a, a whole cache of films and documentaries. My partner, Sean Reck, among other films he did before we became partners, did the, the white boy documentary on white boy Rick, Rick mm. Worshi, mm. who was a drug dealer, teen drug dealer in Detroit. A story that I broke 
as a young reporter in Detroit in the oh, 80s. No okay. And that's how I met Sean, was he interviewed me for that film uh-huh. six years ago, and we got to talking. And he had launched uh, American Gospel TV, okay. which is a, you know, a gospel-themed streamer. It's done very, very well. And uh, he, kind of, he got together with me and said, let's do this for crime. And that's what we're doing. Awesome. Love it. Love it. So if you're checking this out, February 3rd, 4th, and 5th here in Las Vegas. Um, and then uh, if you're watching this and it happens to be past that date, then go subscribe to True Blue. Check out some of the shows that Chris is putting out. It's always, always compelling, interesting, intriguing content. Watch TrueBlue.com. T-R-U-B-L-U. Podcast Predators I've Caught. Predators I've Caught, the podcast. Yeah, so go check that one out. Totally free. Listen, whatever podcasting platform you're listening on right now, go check that one out as well. Chris, thanks so much for coming thanks, on. Thanks, I pleasure. appreciate it. No, it was a pleasure. Thanks, Good luck with all your Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes. And don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.